Cool. So um, carrying on Romans series, uh, getting into Romans 8. Daniel says it's, it's one of his favorite, favorite, favorite scriptures. So it's, it's a great scripture. It's, it's, it's a great teaching. Um, and as we know, we're going through the book of Romans. Um, and as we know that it's a letter, so although we have chapters, it's a letter. So Romans 8 is, is simply a continuation of what was going on in chapter 7, chapter 6, chapter 5, 4, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it, man. Uh, let's start with Romans 8. Um, and, and let's go from verse 1 to 11. So that's uh, Romans 8. And we're going to go from verse 1 to 11. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Amariah. Um, so much in there. And as me and Daniel always say, we would uh, encourage everyone to read through the Book of Romans along um, these sermons. Um, so I guess a couple of things that I, I, I want to pull out from uh, Romans. Um, eight um, and a slap bang in the first verse first thing is that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus do you know what I mean and that's something to praise God about do you know what I mean there is so there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that condemnation that simply means a declaration of being guilty and deserving of punishment that's what that means. Thank you, Daniel, for the celebration. There's no condemnation, guys. We're no longer declared as being guilty, and we're no and we're no longer deserving of punishment. Why? Because we're in Christ. What does that mean? Because we're in Christ. So literally, if you, it's like getting a you know a a container and putting something in it. Because we're now in Christ. Where the father looks at us, he sees Christ. And Christ is not deserving of punishment. Christ is not deserving of condemnation. He, Christ only deserves the, the, uh, the, 
the uh, the uh, the the light of the Father and His goodness, and that's us as well. That as His children, because we're in Christ, there's no condemnation anymore. We're no longer guilty of anything. Why? Because of what Christ has done for us, and because why? Because we're in Christ. Because we are in Christ. Um, something else that I want to pull out is really verse two for the law of the spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Uh, and it's simply because we, we are in Christ, we are set free from the law of death and sin by the law of life. Uh, Daniel's touched upon it. I've touched upon it about the Lord's grace, about, about baptism, but simply because now we are in Christ, we are set free from the law of death and sin. And what, and what that simply means, um, and we learn about it in chapter 7 and chapter 6, that refers to, to, to the mindset, to the inclination, to the inclinations, to the very nature of a person, which only leads to sin and death. That's the law of sin and death. It's a command to a person which will only lead them to sin and death. There's nothing you can do. In our, in, in our old lives, we followed the law of sin and death. Why? Because the body we had was inclined to sin. Uh, but now, through what Christ has done, we have been set free from the law of sin and death. Through what? Through the spirit. For, for the law of the spirit of life. And what's that law of the spirit of life? It's that law that now allows us to live unto the Lord. To live unto the Lord in a way which pleases him. Which it allows us to live unto the Lord in such a way that we can be called his sons. And that we can be um, connected to the Lord. And it's that, and it's that reminder as well. Uh, which Paul which I, which I feel in the last couple of chapters, he's really trying to uh, emphasize to this Roman church that you've been set free from sin. And because you've been set free from it, why would we go back to it? We've been set free from the law of sin and death. We've been set free from it. We are no longer under that commandment. We understand, according to Romans 6, that the wages of sin was death. But we've been set free from it by the law of the spirit. So almost why would we go back to something we have been set free from? And what always comes to mind uh, or what comes to mind when, when I think about the law of death and the law of the spirit is literally like, um, it's literally like a prison break. We've been set free from the prison. We've been set free from what goes on in that prison. And Paul is almost trying to remind them, you've been set free from it. Why would you then even want to consider going back there to dabble with it, knowing that you've been set free from it, knowing that it, it, it has no more power over you, knowing that you can now live a life guilt-free, punishment-free, onto the Lord, fully empowered to do the things he's calling you to do. Why would, you, why would we then go back? Uh, to what he set us free from and to what only brings death um, let's carry on
verse 5 says, uh, for, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. And that word uh, set, it literally means to enter, it literally means to entertain, to be uh, 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 disposed to, or set your affections on. It's essentially saying those, those who are those who are disposed to the things of the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who have the ability to set them to set their affections on the things of the spirit, on the things of God, on the things of his kingdom, are able to walk in that. And when I used to read this scripture, um, I used to say to myself, yeah, man, yeah, like, Josh, I need to make sure that I'm not setting my mind on the things of the flesh. Um, because according to the scripture, you know what I mean? Like, if, if, if I'm setting my mind on, on, onto the things of the flesh, uh, 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 it's like, it's wrong. Do, 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 do you know what I mean? It's a separation. It's death onto me. And I need to make sure that I'm setting my mind um, onto the things of the spirit. And then verse nine comes in. So Paul is describing a, a people or a person whose minds are either set on the fit, whose minds are set. So if you think about a cast um, or maybe a piece of metal that, that has been heated up and when it cools down, it's set into shape. That's its shape. It's, it, it is pre, uh, what is the word? Presuppose? I can't remember how to say the word. But its inclination is now set in that manner. But what Paul does here, which I love in verse 9, he says, you, however, are not in the flesh. And I think this is really important. You, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. How many of us have the spirit of God dwelling in us? Daniel, I see you. Praise God for that. If you have the spirit of God dwelling in you, the Bible says that you're not in the flesh anymore. This is really important. You're, you're no longer in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. So what's Paul talking about? Like, what does that mean? When he speaks about the flesh, he's not speaking about this, your earthen body, your, your, like, your hands, your feet, and your limbs. He's talking about the body of sin, which we dealt with in chapter six, and I think a little bit in chapter seven. But in chapter six, he, he, he expresses several times that the body of sin is dead. It's dead. The old man is dead. That which was set on the things of the flesh had no choice. Because it was being led by what? The law of sin and death. It had no choice. It was set to sin. It was set to go to death. It was set to do the things which would displease the Lord. We are not like that anymore. Why? Because we've been set free by the law of the spirit. So now we are those who are not in the flesh, but in, but in the spirit. Uh, but, but Josh, um, Saab, Sometimes, you know what I mean? I, I've just been struggling with my flesh. 
what I want to suggest to you is that you're not struggling with your flesh because the old man has died. This is really important. When we, we no longer struggle with the old man because he's dead. The body of sin is dead. Now, but, 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 Josh, like, I feel like I'm in the flesh. I know you feel like it in the flesh. I know, I know it. I know it feels like it in the flesh. But Paul is really trying to let us know that we are no longer in the flesh because the body of sin has been done away with. But what does that mean for us as Christians? Well, oftentimes what we might struggle with um, is, and the way that I put it, is the memory of our flesh. Is the memory of our old ways. It's the habits of our old ways. Why do I say that? Because our habits and our memories, unlike the flesh, the when we're in the flesh, the flesh has dominion. But we know that we're no longer under that, we're under grace. So sin has no sin has no more, sorry, sin has no dominion over us anymore. So if we do find ourselves in a, in a place where we believe we're struggling with the flesh, what I just want to encourage us to know, and it's really important, is that as Christians, we're no longer in the flesh. We now have a choice because our minds and our bodies are now set in a different way. We can now actively choose to live, to, to live in a way which pleases the Lord and, and is powered by the law of the spirit. And, okay, and what we will find ourselves struggling with isn't our flesh, but it's the memory. Just because I'm now saved doesn't mean I have forgotten what it felt like to live in a way that didn't please the Lord. Just because you're saved, that doesn't mean that all your memory was erased. You know what I mean? And now you don't remember. No, we remember. That's why Paul says to us in Romans 6 that now it's our decision now to now present our what members to the Lord now so that we can now choose to become slaves of righteousness instead of slaves of unrighteousness. So, yeah, we are no longer in the flesh because the body of sin um, is done away with. Amen. Uh, Let's, let's move on to uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 12 to 17. That's uh, Romans 8, verse 12 to 17. I think that was Avi or Joseph. So then, brothers, we are de debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
and his children than he is, as and fellow as with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Joseph. So not only in the first uh, 11 verses, we find that, that we're no longer condemned. We are set free from the law of sin and death. Um, and we've been inducted into the law of the spirit. Um, in verse 12 to 17, we learn that we've been adopted. We've been adopted, that we are no longer far away from the Lord, but we are now uh, uh, adopted as sons and daughters um, of the Most High. Um, uh, verse 15 says, uh, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Come on. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So what does that mean? We haven't received, we haven't received the spirit from, from the Lord, which would put us back into fear. And, and what's that fear? Well, it's that, well, it's the law of sin and death. It's that I need to do this and this and this and this and this and this. Ah, oh, snap. If I don't do this, then I'm finished. It's that fear of never knowing where you stand um, 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 in your walk. It's that fear of never really knowing who God is or, or how he views you. We haven't received the spirit that puts us back into that place where we're far from him, where we're distant, where he doesn't know us, where we're his enemies. But what we've been given, what? A spirit which, which which cries out what? Abba Father. It's a spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption, which gives us the ability to cry out Abba Father, which simply means Father, Father. And it's an endearing word, uh, Abba. So um, uh, in English, you might even say that Abba is like daddy. So Father can be seen as very formal, but Abba is almost like daddy. It's an endearing word that you would use to uh to uh to uh, speak to your parent uh, or to your dad that's what we've received and for me what i love about adoption or about yeah about about adoption in general is that adoption is initiated by the parent it's initiated by the parent so what do i mean by that a child can't just go to a family and say, you know what, especially in these times, you guys have to adopt me. That's it. I'm your child. That's, that's not how it worked. It was up to the adult or for the parent to choose someone and say, I'm choosing you to now be a part of my family. And not only am I choosing you to be adopted and part of my family, what comes as part of adoption is full rights. Of what a of or of what any other child would get. So this isn't an inferior um, adoption, or or we are inferior to maybe the Jews. But no, what the Lord is saying is that we've been adopted. We have full right and full access to Him to be able to call Him Father. And not only are we adopted. Not only is 
um, is he the one who chose us in the adoption process? In verse 16, we also understand that his spirit bears witness to it. So, so like, I almost see a adoption process happening. So a, a, a parent um, um, and a child signing the papers. And then someone bearing witness to what's happening. Because someone might say, no, 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 no. Daniel's not really part of this family. But then, but then the witness's job is to say, no, I was there. I saw it happening. I can bear witness that actually Freddie is a son. I can bear witness that actually Charlie is a son because I was there. I was there when the adoption happened. I saw it. I can bear witness. So when those thoughts come, when those lies of the enemy come, we, the spirit is the one who bears witness with us. And I've, and I, and, 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 I, and I don't know about you, I know that there are seasons and there are times where, where life will tell us that we're not sons anymore, that we're not adopted because of what we've done or because of what we have done. But I'm so grateful that not only is there no condemnation, but we are adopted. And not only are we adopted, the adoption is not based on us. He, the Lord didn't adopt us because we were the most beautiful and handsome children. He literally adopted us because he wanted to. It was his choice. And he brought a witness as well to ensure that no matter what happens, no matter what season we will find ourselves in, there will always be a witness to what has taken place. Always be a witness. No, no matter what is done, there will always be a witness to testify in court if needed. Snap, Chloe is a daughter. I know that this and this, I know what's being said, but actually I was there. I can corroborate with Chloe that she is a daughter. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So he corroborates um, evidence and he testifies that we are children of the Lord. Let's get into uh, Romans 18. Uh, and we're going to go uh, for all from Romans 18 to verse 30. That's Romans 18 all the way to verse 30. But I, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the creation. It's not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Mm. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility but not willingly but because of him who subjected him in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. 
Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, mm. for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows that is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those, those whom he justified, he also glorified. Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen. What I, what I posted a scripture there, Romans 18 uh, to 30. Um, and what, what I want to really bring about, or one, one point that I want to make about this scripture, um, and for me, it's a way that I, you know, really chose to understand it, um, was it was that question which I definitely asked myself and I know that we ask ourselves, do you know what I mean? We've been set free from the law of sin and death. Uh, we've got a new body which now has an inclination to do the things which please him. We can now present our members to the Lord. We're adopted. Uh, we're sons and daughters of the Most High. And there's a, and now we have, a, we have the spirit that also can testify that we are his children. Um, then why am I suffering? Why am I suffering? Do you know what I mean? I'm all of this. I'm favoured of the Lord. Do you know what I mean? I'm the head and not the toe, above and not beneath. Why am I suffering? And Paul, Paul, Paul really lays it out. He, you know, he, when I think about Paul, Paul understands what suffering is. Paul, Paul could write the book on suffering, I believe, in terms of shipwrecked, in prison, uh, uh, put on trial. Uh, numbers, numerous times people have tried to kill him. Numerous times people have tried to discredit his ministry. Numerous times. Uh, 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 ridiculed uh, uh, everything that could happen to a person happened to Paul um, but yet he's the one that says that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us and I know Daniel always encourages us that as Christians, there will be, there, there is suffering, guys. There is suffering. There is suffering. And I think it's, it's important to really draw out from this that what Paul is talking about, he's not speaking about um, 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 like, 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 like suffering, uh, because you did a madness. He's not speaking about that in terms of you're suffering because 
yeah, because of uh, uh, negative choices or sin. He's not speaking about that, that you stole from your work, now they're coming after you. Ah, oh, man, I'm suffering. He, he's not speaking about that. That's not what he's speaking about. Because we know throughout this whole entire chapter, he's speaking about the fact that we've been set free from all of that. What he's speaking about is the condition of this earth. Is the condition of this earth. And in fact, I think it's verse, uh, uh, I think it's verse 20 where it says, for the, for the creation was subjected to futility. And what that means is that word futility means the void of truth and depravity. So creation had just been subjected onto things which are devoid of truth and to a way which is just deprived. And I like what he says there. He says creation. But how many of you know that we are a new creation? That's really important. We are new creations. So when he speaks about creation, uh, uh, he's also speaking, he's not, he's not just speaking about, you know, the trees and the mud. Um, um, he's also speaking about everything that has been created, including man. That's why we are new creations. That's why the body of sin had to be put away with. Why? Because the body of sin was subjected to futility. Ah, oh, but them over there are acting mad. Yeah, of course. Because why? Because their bodies are subjected to what? Futility. The void of truth. Ah, oh, but why can't they? No, of course they can't because they're subjected to futility. That's why. They are subjected into a way of life which is the void of truth. That's why they're suffering. Why? Because we live in this world and we have to interact with one another and also interact with the world and those who are in the world. And Paul is a prime example of someone who is in the world and is suffering not because he's making uh, bad decisions. This is really important. Paul's not getting uh, death threats because he's on a madness. I'm, I'm, I'm using slang here. Paul's not getting death threats because he's making bad decisions. He, Paul isn't in jail because, because he was, you know, feeling crazy. He's suffering because he's walking right. This is key. He's suffering. What does that mean? Because you're walking right, that doesn't mean they're gonna that you can't suffer. Oh, but Josh, I've been praying and I've been reading my word and I was fasting, and then this happened. Okay. Thanks for letting me know. Welcome to Christianity. Welcome to the faith. 101. Do you know what I mean? Welcome. And the reason that I'm saying this is because. I, 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 I had that mindset of, listen, I can't suffer because I'm a son. Do you know what I mean? How can a son suffer? I'm set free. Paul was set free. But what does he say? 
that the sufferings of this present time, they can't be compared to the glory that, be, that will be revealed. It can't be compared with the glory that will be revealed. And I, and I also like verse 24. For in this hope, what's this hope that he's speaking about? And I love that, 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 that Daniel spoke about it. You know, that this hope is in, oh man, I, I wish. Oh, please God, wish. That's not the hope he's speaking about. Well, from 18 to 30, he speaks about earth, you know, the earth crying out for the, for the sons of God. And, uh, and, and uh, our cry as well is that even as we are uh, um, uh, adopted, that the full realization of that adoption would take place. That even though I'm adopted, there's still a greater adoption to await that is waiting for us. And why do I say all this? Because what Paul wants to do is, um, and, and I think sometimes it has um, been overemphasized, and I think sometimes it can be underemphasized. What, what am I talking about? Is that there is something we're waiting for. There is, there, there is something that is not right now, but yet I'm looking towards knowing it's coming. Knowing it's coming. And I find comfort in it. I find comfort in it. Yeah, but how do I know it's coming, Josh? Like, 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 like but how do I know it's coming? How do I know it's coming? I like to read Ephesians 1, 14 to 16. And I'm going to read the amplified version. Ephesians 1, 14 to 16 simply says, I might, I might just read just uh, verse 14. The spirit is the guarantee. Here's what the amplifier says. The first installment, the pledge, a foretaste of our inheritance onto the redemption of God's own purchased possession, his believers, to the praise of his glory. Why do we hope? Why do we hope? Why? Why? Like, how can I deal with this suffering? I've been given a down payment. If you've got the spirit of the Lord living in you, he's not just our guide. He's not just our comforter, our, 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 our leader. He's our down payment. He's the pledge. Really important. He's our pledge. The pledge for, for what? That there's a doubt. He's a down payment that there's a greater glory coming for us. So what does that mean? There's a purpose and I can get joy knowing that there's something in front of me. There's something in front of me that is awaiting me. I love I love what I love um, what the scripture says about Christ, and I'm paraphrasing that for the joy of it, Christ went to the cross. And I think it's really important. Sorry, the joy, sorry, the joy set before him. Let me. 
Christ didn't go onto the cross smiling. He, he wasn't, hey, yeah, I got the joy of the Lord in my soul. He didn't do that. There was a joy set what? Before him. Because Christ what? He considered that the suffering of this present moment wouldn't be worth comparing to the glory that would be awaiting him. Come on. That's why. Christ wasn't, I need to make this clear. Christ was not smiling and laughing as he went to the cross. As Christians, we do not have to be smiling and laughing all of the time. That's what I really love what Freddie was saying. You don't have to be smiling all the time. Christ was not smiling. I don't think Paul and all the disciples where one was being boiled in oil, one was crucified upside down, those guys were not smiling and happy, but they had joy. The joy set before them. That there's something better. There's something greater. I've got, the, I've got the down payment. I've got the guarantee. Even though my, my flesh is aching, even though everything in me is like, what is going on? I've got a down payment. I've got a guarantee. There's a greater glory. I'm going to be given a brand new body. This adoption process is going to be realized in an even greater way. That's what we hope in as, a, as Christians. That's where we... That's what we hold on to in those, um, as, as, you know, Ephesians speaks about in those uh, uh, dark seasons. That's what we hold on to in those times. I just want to read uh, John 17. John 17. Uh, and I said uh, from verse 15 to 19. That's John 17. From verse 15 to 19. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Amen, amen. I just wanted to you know, to, to speak that, um, to read that scripture, because there are definitely moments where I'm like, God, man, this is long. Just, do you know what I mean? Just, just let me come up. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just let me realize that glory now. But what's Jesus' prayer? Don't, don't take them out. But keep them. But keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. The same way that I was sanctified, sanctified what? Made holy, separate from the world. Separate from what? The futility of the world, the decay of the world, the, 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 the world which is devoid of truth. The same way that I was devoid of that, that I was separate from that, 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 that um, the same way that sin had no power over me, Sanctify them in that same way. That's that's what we're called into. That's what we're called into. That's what we're called into. Let's carry on. I don't even know where I am. 
Romans. Romans. So what? We're not condemned. We're adopted. We've been given a down payment. And in verse 6, so in verse 26 of Romans 8, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. He also helps us in our weaknesses. I, I love it because he says, for we, we do not know what to pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. We've grown into too deep for words. I know that, and I know that there are some teachings which say, you know, that this verse specifically and, and uh, maybe only refers to the speaking of tongues that we understand according to 1 Corinthians 14, 2. I'll just read it. For who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. And I believe that this scripture speaks about, you know, speaking in tongues, speaking in mysteries, speak, speaking in such a way that, you know, uh, uh, that it's too deep for words. But I also believe that it's more than that. That actually not only does this Holy Spirit help me when I'm praying? This is really important. The Bible says that he's actually interceding for us. So as I pray, I pray with the Holy Spirit, and he, but he is also interceding for us. He's interceding for the saints. I don't, I don't know about you, but I have been, you know, around the best prayer warriors. But I know that to know that there's a prayer warrior called the Holy Spirit praying for me. But how is he praying? He who searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the spirit. He knows what's in the heart. He knows what's going on. He, he's not like, oh, snap. I need to start praying, man. <laughs> Things are getting peak for Daniel. No, 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 no. He's continually praying. He's continually searching. And as Christians, we have access that you might say to the Holy Spirit's prayer sessions. I like that, actually. We have access to his prayer sessions that we might be able to join in with what he's already praying. And we might be able to declare it here as well. So what's this? We're not condemned. We're adopted. We're set free from sin. Um, uh, 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 we have a down payment. The Holy Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. He also helps us in our weaknesses. Um, I want us to hold that because we're about to read verse 31 to 39 to bring it home. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, he can be against us. Mm. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, 
who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Mm. Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mm, amen. Amen. Thank you, Josiah. What's he simply saying? You could say this is his conclusion. He's let us know we're not condemned. We're set free from the law of death. We are adopted. We've been given a down payment. Uh, we, we have a hope. Uh, we have the Holy Spirit that helps us in our weakness. Uh, we have a Holy Spirit who's interceding for us. So now what can we say then? If God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> it's like, what else do you need to know for you to actually realize that if God is for you, who can be against you? Everything he stated, he's now saying like, how can I sum this up to you? Simply put, if God is for Josiah, who can be against Josiah? If God is for Freddie, who can be against Freddie? Why? Well, we understand that. Verse 32, he didn't even spare his only son, but he gave it all. How would you not also with him graciously give us all things? I'm suffering though. Who can be against you though? The Holy Spirit will, the Holy Spirit helps you in your weaknesses. He's praying for you. You're set free from death. We have a hope we can look for. We have a hope we can look to. Oh, but it doesn't feel, no, 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 no. Paul has taken this time to really make sure that it's not in this moment what you're feeling. He's really wanted them to, uh, to tap into what is the reality. I'm suffering. Okay, let me give you some understanding to your suffering so that you can have joy even though you are suffering. It's almost like, what does God need to do to show us he's for us? What else can he do? He set us free. He's adopted us. We're no longer under sin. We can now hear his voice. He's interceding for us. He helps us in our weakness. He's given us a down payment. What else can he do to show us that he's for us? And I love verse 37. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am not 
sure that ne- for I am sure, sorry, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, depths, nor anything else in all creation. Think, just think about all that was put in place to separate us from Christ. You think now that he's given you, he's given us all of this, that now you can be separated from him. He's done all of this to get you. And now you believe you can be separated from his love. No height, no death. No rulers, no angels, no, 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 no things present or things to come, no powers. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And what does that love say? That love says we're worthy. That love says you're my son. That love says you're my daughter. That love says I'll help you in your weakness. That love says I will give you a hope which is greater than anything else in this world. That love says that I'll give you a down payment that when you're suffering, you can have joy because there's something greater set before you. Nothing can separate us from his love. And my encouragement today is, what's that scripture? I don't know if someone could find the reference, but it's it's it, it's bless the Lord. Uh, I I hope I'm not mixing two scriptures, so someone try and find it. But it's um, bless the Lord and forget not His benefits. I just want to make sure that I'm not uh, mixing two uh, two scriptures. Thank you, Freddie. Bless the Lord. Don't forget His benefits. Don't forget all He's done. He's given his son. He's done so much for us, guys. So much. And he's like, don't forget it. Don't forget. I know you're suffering. I know there's madness. Don't forget it, though. Don't ever forget that if I've given my son for you, there's nothing I won't do to keep you.